This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he prefers taking notes with a pen and paper. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Tony Felker, President and CEO of the Frisco Chamber, to learn how the Holman Brothers have provided value for him. One of the key benefits that we've realized from Holman Brothers actually happened many years after we started using them. We just completed our new strategic plan and understanding those subtle differences between transactional benefits and transformational benefits, the companies that use what they expect has been a key part in our strategic plan. And we really want to thank Holman Brothers for that. You can learn more about Holman Brothers membership sales solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Successful membership salespeople are problem solvers. They ask better questions, uncover more problems, and pinpoint how their chamber can help. It's how they consistently drive better membership sales outcomes. Here's the hurdle. Most membership salespeople don't get enough coaching to recruit like this. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching supplies the year-round guidance that your membership rep needs to drive growth for your chamber. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of next level coaching. This is a special episode in our 2022 ACCE Chamber of the Year finalist series. And our guest for this episode is Brad Lacey, the president and CEO of the Conway Area Chamber in Arkansas. Brad is a, a native of Ida, Arkansas, and began his economic development career in 1997 with the Arkansas Economic Development Commission as a community development consultant and later as a project manager where he worked to recruit companies to the state. Brad has served as president and CEO of the Conway Development Corporation, or CDC, uh, the city of Conway's nonprofit economic development entity since 2000. In December of 2006, Brad became the president and CEO of the Conway Area Chamber of Commerce. It marked the first time in nearly two decades that the chamber and CDC had been under the same leadership, uh, the leadership of the same person. The combined management of both organizations brings the city a larger staff to focus on economic development activities. In 2013, the Conway Area Chamber of Commerce was named Chamber of the Year by ACCE and in 2018 was named runner-up. Brad holds a bachelor's degree in geography from the University of Central Arkansas, a master's of public administration from the University of Arkansas Little Rock. He's a graduate of the Community Development Institute at UCA, the Economic Development Institute at the University of Oklahoma, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Institute for Organization Management. Brad is a former member of the University of Central Arkansas Board of Trustees and has served two terms on the Board of Regents for the U.S. Chamber West Institute of Organization Management. I'm excited to have Brad back with me on Chamber Chat Podcast. He was a guest uh, way back in episode 103, where we talked about the way they go about their annual meetings. So if anybody wants to go back in the archive and check that out, it was a fantastic episode. 
But Brad, welcome back to Chamber Chat Podcast. Go ahead and say hello to all the Chamber Champions and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, thanks for asking. Uh, I'm not sure I'm all that interesting. Um, maybe the most interesting things that I've been in the job over 20 years and have only been in one community that doesn't seem to be very common these days in the chamber world. So that, that's true. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the interesting thing. Uh, <laughs> Good deal. Well, tell us maybe some background, um, this specs, if you will, on the Conway area chamber, size, location, budget, mm-hmm. uh, staff, that sort of thing, just to give us some perspective. Yeah. So, um, First, just a little on the city. So the city, um, Conway, is part of the Little Rock, North Little Rock Conway MSA. So we're the northern gateway to the Little Rock MSA. The city has about 70,000 people. Um, It is a little bit of several things. So it's a college town. It has has three colleges and universities. Um, a percentage of our uh, population commutes into Little Rock to work every day, but most of our people stay here because it's very much a business center too. Um, so it's not exactly a suburb. It's not exactly a college town. It's kind of a little of four or five things all mixed up, which uh, makes us a little bit interesting. Um, the chamber itself has been around since 1891 and was formed to recruit the colleges here. Um, so we've always had a real tie to the educational community here. Um, and through the years, there have been a series of sister organizations that spin off from the chamber. So the other, the biggest one being the CDC, as you mentioned in the intro, um, which is an economic development entity that spun off in 1959. Um and that was the that was the organization that initially hired me 23 years ago. Um, and so today what you have is really this collection of organizations that are tied through management agreements. Um, and so the staff, um, which there's a staff of 18, um, we manage really the assets and the work of those several organizations. Um, budget is going to be anywhere from five to seven million dollars a year, which is a pretty big budget, um, especially for a community our size. But when you put all of those organizations together, that's what it that's what it looks like. And on the economic development side, there's a lot of property that's involved. So land leases, building leases, land sales. Um and so that's where a lot of that um, revenue comes from. But it's an extremely diverse revenue stream, um, which is really by design. And it helps us sort of navigate changes in the economy or changes in one member, you know, leaving or whatever. Um, so it's a pretty good model, we think. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like from the uh, the wide scope of uh, demographics, even of what makes up Conway, it really creates a great uh personal identity as a, as a community, it seems like. For sure. And you mentioned 18 staff and I got to meet some of your staff at the Mako conference and and you're surrounded by some great people. So for sure, you've got a a good, good people there around you. So (laughs) that, that always helps. Are you looking for a year round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat, Shop, Play mobile app 
with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Chamber Nation hears from its customers that they help make it fun again to present the value of membership. That's because so much is provided to help each member promote their business, and with monthly ROI reports from Chamber Nation, they know their membership is already working to help them succeed. There are three words in Chamber of Commerce, and Chamber Nation knows that their customers take care of the Chamber, but Chamber Nation takes care of the commerce. This way, both teams working side-by-side deliver a whole lot more in membership value. With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So, save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. So as we're doing these uh, Chamber of the Year finalist interviews, what I like to do is focus on the two programs that you submitted on your application for Chamber of the Year. Um, So maybe just from a high level, let's address what those two programs are, and then we can go in a little bit deeper and and have you share some of the more nitty gritty about each program. Sure. So the first one is a visioning, community-wide visioning process called Conway 2035. we do um, a community-wide visioning process every decade. Um, well, not really decade if you're looking at the census, but every 10 years. So um, um, we did, well, I guess it is, it does line up with the census. Um, so actually 2010 was the first year um, that we did that. It was extremely important for us um, as a community Um because it really marked the first time that any entity had asked the community at large what they wanted to see um, for the city. And what happens is you get some uh, agreement from larger groups of people on where not only the chamber, but city government, um, various nonprofits should be focusing their time and energy. And um, we did a lot of really great things in that decade between 2010 and 2020. So, and, and there was sort of a mid, a mid, a mid, like 2015, we, we convened sort of a smaller group of people to do a little bit of a correction to the plan to see, you know, what have we accomplished? Were there some things that we needed to change um, based off of things that were happening in the, in the country? Um, so 2020 marked, really the year that we were supposed to redo that. So we had gotten everything ready. We had pulled our steering committee together and we're getting ready to meet with them. And it was a week 
really after everything closed down. So that first uh, program was really how did we do that? How, yeah. how do you how do you do a citywide visioning process when you can't convene people? Um, because we did we did it and we finished it. So the second one is um, our festival. So. We have a very oddly named festival, um, Toad Suck Days. That is, that's the name of it. I'm glad you uh, just hit that head on with the name. So not, <laughs> tell us know? what that is. What, what is Toad Suck Days? <laughs> so uh, my my EVP, Jamie Gates, says that no Southern city um, that's worth anything uh, doesn't have a festival named after a food or an animal. And so ours is, is named after toads, believe it or not. Um, it's a it's a festival that volunteers started um, 41 years ago, uh, and it really turned into something big. And as is the case in many communities, when things outgrow volunteers, they give them to the chamber. <laughs> Sometimes you may not want them. Uh, this was one that, you know, ended up being really good. Um, it's a very iconic festival in Arkansas. Um, with a funny name, but throughout the history of the festival, we've raised $2 million for primarily educational nonprofits in the city um, and some community development. So the festival is really the conduit through which we do a lot of charitable giving, but it also um, helps pays, you know, helps pay the bills because a hundred to 125,000 people come to the festival and there's a lot of revenue that comes from that. So, right. so I'm sorry, I was, I was going to say, no, no, go maybe, ahead. maybe let's just go deeper right now on the, on toad suck days. Um, okay. So as you go about the planning of it each year, um, as an annual festival, do you know which uh, nonprofits you're targeting to, to support as you go about beginning it? Is there target goals going into it? How do you go about your planning and, and strategy sure. of it? So, um, historically, the money was earmarked for college scholarships for county students who were choosing to go to one of the three schools in Conway. So, historically, that's where all the money went. Um, internally, we decided to take a different course probably 10 years ago um, with the creation of the Arkansas Scholarship Lottery. Um Voters uh, approved a lottery in Arkansas. Um, all of the proceeds from that are going to scholarships. So really, if you want to go to college here, you, you're going to get you're going to get some help um, for the most part. And, and we didn't really think that maybe our money needed to go to scholarships. So we started investing heavily in pre-K um, and uh, STEM education for elementary school students. So there are some various there are various programs that we put money into um, that really hit on those uh, those topics. Now we also do a decent amount of money uh, for downtown Conway because that's um, where we have the festival. So believe it or not, um, not everyone's a fan of us closing the heart of the city down for three days. <laughs> so, so we, uh, we buy, uh, about 20 to $25,000 worth of hanging baskets that go up, uh, in downtown after the festival ends and the city partners with us on that. 
um, and takes care of them through the summer um, and fall. And so our downtown is sort of known for those um, those hanging baskets. So, you know, we, we can do between probably in a, in a, a slow year, maybe 60000 upwards to eighty dollars or $90,000 in charitable giving directly from the festival. Now, the other thing that has happened through the years is we will sort of approve uh, what we call sanctioned events that are allowed to use the festival name. And so this is where other nonprofits benefit. So the Kiwanis Club, for instance, has done a 5K, 10K for years where they raise money. Um, and that's the Toad Suck 5K, 10K. Um, there's a literacy organization that does the Tour to Toad, which is bike race. Um, so there's all these there's all these other things that are happening, as well as we have nonprofits that we have a, a certain number of vendor spots available for free to nonprofits uh, to help raise money. So. The festival is really much bigger than just what it does for us. Um, and the community loves it and region, really. So. so with the charitable giving, is that um, structured through a foundation or just directly through the chamber? How does that look? So the festival itself is a 501c3 uh, organization that is wholly owned by the chamber. All right. So I, I know in particular with your Chamber of the Year application, you had some unique uh, challenges <laughs> around sure. Dead Suck Day, uh, sure. particularly during the, you know, the COVID um, shutdowns right. and, and whatnot. So tell us about how you guys address that and how you navigated through still being able to, you know, do the good work that you did and, and bring community together when you can't come together. How did you approach that? So, um, and by March, when things shut down, when you look at the way that we um, raise um, money, most of our big sponsors were in place by then because the festival happens the first weekend of May. Okay. So we had all these commitments from corporate sponsors um, to you know, be a part of the 2020 festival. And then you figure out, well, we're six weeks away from the festival that we're not going to have. So what do we do? Um, and I think our first, uh, you know, maybe our first inclination was that we're just not going to do anything and, and give the money back or not fill these people or whatever. Um, because I think like many people, we were just in a state of shock, right? I mean, like, you know, I was thinking, how how are we going to survive this? Um, you know, how do you how do you survive uh, when at least part of your revenue comes from being able to convene people and you can't convene people? Like right. That's a that's a real problem. Um, but what we what we decided was that we could pivot and we could do a series of things. We could sort of deconstruct the festival and offer people experiences which in fact they needed and wanted um because after you know a few weeks your your cabin fever sets in and um and so we we sort of deconstructed the festival and figured out that we could do some of the best parts of it um regardless if we had a traditional festival so um 
we came up with some new things. So really one of the first ones was an airplane parade where we partnered with the uh, Pilots Association that is here in Conway. And we um, asked them if they would do an airplane parade throughout the city. Uh, and this was several weeks into the lockdown and super safe. Everybody could just stand out in their yard. Um, we, you know, promoted it heavily, not only on social media, but our local newspaper promoted it. And I mean, there were thousands of people in their yards and we had dozens of planes that participated and we had planes that came in to participate, you know, some fighter jets did some formation type things. Um, and so, you know, we had some sponsors attached to it. So we actually made some money off of that, that, that we needed <laughs> at the time. Um, and so that really, I think, gave us some confidence that we could, um, that we could do this festival in pieces. Um, and so another one was um, we did a nature and science drive-through. Um, people were you know, hungry to do stuff with their children. So we partnered with the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, the Little Rock Zoo, the Museum of Discovery, um, and maybe a couple of others to do these big exhibits. Um, we put them in the middle of one of the university campuses. And then um, it, we, we internally called it the drive-through zoo. Yeah. That, you know, the rule was you couldn't get out of your car, but you could certainly drive through and you could see the penguins from the Little Rock Zoo. You could go past the giant aquariums that Game and Fish brought. You could drive through these exhibits and once again, people were hungry for it. They wanted to do things with their children and we were going to do that from like three to six. Well, by four o'clock, the queue was so long wrapping through the campus that we had to start turning people away because oh, it was going to take us two hours to get everyone through the queue and see things. So we really started started building some confidence that we could provide some things that the community and really the region needed would allow us to monetize it so that we could survive. Um, and then we turned to television, too. We started buying blocks of time on network TV in the Little Rock market. Um, and so we did a virtual concert one night where we... Uh, asked friends that had uh, really Arkansas-based uh, performers to perform for us um, and do a virtual concert um, at a particular time on the CBS affiliate and another great success. And so we just, we put a lot of different things together that late spring and summer that became the festival. I was going to ask about how long of a span did these. Uh, so that events? was probably over three months that we did all okay. of those things. Um, and then you get to 2021 and things had loosened up a bit, but we still weren't quite ready to go first. As I say, you know, we were the first week of May. <clears throat> I didn't want to be the first festival to, you know, go forward. So it was the 40th anniversary of the festival. And so we decided we would again deconstruct the festival and do 40 days of Toad Suck. And oh, 
So we brought the airplane parade back. We brought the nature and science drive through back, except at this point, you didn't have to drive through. You could walk through because things were different than they were a year before. And we actually did our first real concert um, uh, in person in a venue. Uh, we brought country music artist Jimmy Allen to town and did a concert uh, on uh, UCA's campus. Um, and really, I think there, there were several things there. One, it allowed us to continue to do charitable giving, which I wouldn't have thought we could do. It allowed us to survive because we always take us, uh, you know, a hundred, I think about $135,000 is what we end up charging back as a management fee from the chamber. So if you lose that chunk of money. Yeah, that makes an impact. Yeah. You're cutting salaries or you're cutting positions, you're doing something. So, you know, we did not want to do that and we did not want to use reserves um, and we did not do any of those things. We managed to survive and, and, never lay anyone off. Um, and then also just, it means so much. This is kind of interesting, but it means a lot to the community to do the festival. Um, children love it. I mean, it's really built around kids. And so to not do it and not sort of recognize the legacy of it just seemed to be you know, a terrible idea. And and we should at least do our best to keep it going until we can have it for real. And, you know, the good news is we had it for real this year and it was crazy. I mean, it's the best year we've ever had. We were very blessed. We had perfect weather, which we almost never have a full weekend of perfect <laughs> weather, but we did this time and everything was just more. Yeah. You know, more revenue, more shirt sales, more this, more that. Um, so there was definitely pent up demand for it. That is awesome. Well, let's circle back for a few minutes on your on the Conway 2035, the, the visioning yep. program there. Um, I understand similar kind of circumstances when you need to be convening people together. Um First of all, I was glad to hear you say that you guys are revisiting, like you get your 10-year vision, but then you're revisiting it um, about the halfway point, kind of mm -hmm. taking a barometer of seeing yep. where you're going because politically things change, right? Technology changes, community, sure. you know, demographics change. So there's a lot of lot of reasons to kind of check the, the temperature, if you will. Mm -hmm. But um, take sure. us through that in the next couple of minutes of, of how the, the visioning program came together. So uh, in a normal year, what you do is, is um, well, really the first part of it didn't really matter because the, the important first component of this is, is pulling together a diverse steering committee that represents sort of as many aspects of the community as you can get. So not only race, ethnicity, gender, and age, but things like how long have they lived here? Like we always try to have one person on the committee who's moved here in the last year or two, because they certainly have a different perspective about Good Conway idea. than someone who's lived here their whole life. Um, but we have one of those people who've lived here their whole life because their perspective is important too. Yeah. So we had, we'd spent a lot of time and we had, I think, a 13 person steering committee that was just a cross section of the community. 
Um, and we were getting ready to convene them when the pandemic hit. And obviously we didn't. Well, by early June, I think, we decided to at least get them together in person and let them make the call on whether or not we were going to try to go through with this thing. And so we took, we took a ballroom at UCA and had the, I mean, it, it was like Vladimir Putin trying to meet with 20 people. When you see those pictures of him with all this distance between, yeah, yeah. you know, so imagine putting 13 people in a gigantic ballroom in a, in a square table where we had, you know, I don't know, 40 feet between people or something. I mean, it was crazy, but it was the only thing we could think of that would really be safe. So, you know, we all meet, we're masked. We put them at this table. Um, and we just said, look, should we move forward with this? Should we not? We're going to do what you want us to do. And if you tell us to go, we're going to figure out how to do this. Um, and to a one, every one of them said, we have to do this. Yeah. Like, this is the most important thing we can do. We cannot, we do not need to stay focused on what's happening now. We need to come out of the stronger as a community. We need to give people hope. We need to ask people questions about what they want on the other side of this. And so absolutely, we need to, we need to do this. So the next part of this is the same, regardless if it had been pre or you know, pre-pandemic or pandemic. And that is we do um, a survey tool just really through SurveyMonkey where we ask people to um, look at a list of like 40 to 45 topics, things like job creation, trails, uh, police, fire, anything almost that you could think of. It's a pretty exhaustive list about things that might be important in a, in a community. And we simply ask each resident who wants to fill it out to check mark all the things that they think are important that we should focus on. So if you want to check 40 boxes, you can. If you want to check two, you can. Well, then we asked, of these, what are your top three priorities? And then do you want to participate in writing the plan? And if so, pick one section that you would want to help write. So if you go back to 2010, we had 1,400 people that participated at that level in filling the survey out. Okay. This time we had over 1,800 people that wow. participated. And of the 1,800, we had a few hundred that said they wanted to participate in writing the plan. So here's where you're, you know, here's, here's where you hit the nitty gritty. Like, how do you pull those people together? Because normally you would have four or five in person meetings. I mean, what we would normally do is take every volunteer that wanted to write the plan, meet in an auditorium and go over, I mean, here's how we're going to do this, you know, and then we're dividing them up and they have their first meeting and then they set subsequent meetings for the next three months and they really craft this plan. Well, obviously we can't do that. <laughs> so right. what do we do? So we reached out to um, the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute, which is a partner of ours that is in the neighboring community. And they do 
strategic, they help communities with strategic plans really all over the place. And we just said, look, we, we don't know how to do this now. <laughs> um, we need we need professional facilitators because obviously we're going to have to use Zoom. And so um, that's what we did. We hired Winrock to do that for us and had a series of Zoom meetings that took the place of the in-person meetings. And it worked. I mean, it was it was bizarre because you were, you know, you, somebody would be in their bed <laughs> on the because on you're because that's you a always, quiet place in the house, right? When you got yeah, kids and you always around. have them after work anyway because yeah. you're you're always doing them, you know, at six or seven because that's when people can meet. So you're really getting this glimpse into people's lives, you know, like someone's cooking dinner and is and is talking about you know a soccer park or whatever, and so. Um, so we did that throughout the remainder of, of 2020, and then uh, they really put it all together for us. And then by April of 2021, we had a summit at their um, facility. Uh, they have a, a big meeting facility with um, hotel rooms and a restaurant and everything. And so we convened um, over 50 community leaders um, in April, and we were all still masked. I'll never forget it. We still had yeah. masks on um, and and took that plan and kind of did the final what for on it. Um, and then that steering committee ultimately put their blessing on it. And by the early fall of 2021, we had a community-wide visioning plan again um and who would have thought i mean who would have <laughs> thought that that we could pull that together um and and it really sets the stage for all of us to do the work that we want to do so now we're in the process of all the various economic development boards in our organization our boards have done kind of the dot exercise where they've gone through all of the goals and said, this is what we should concentrate on. Um, and so our, our strategic plan comes directly from that. Um, the city, for instance, did a um, um, $35 million, uh, well, my, I think it's probably maybe $40 million uh, community center um uh, pickleball, volleyball, indoor and outdoor aquatics, and uh, soccer park uh, proposal that went to voters in February. Well, that checks off more than half of the park's goals that were developed. So that went to voters in February, and it passed with 80% of the vote. And so what we would tell people is, Working that process is the most important thing because what happens in a lot of communities is well-meaning people think that they know what everybody wants and they just move forward with an idea and then they end up getting hammered at the ballot box. And it's not because the idea was bad and it might not even be that people disagree with it, but you never ask them what they wanted. Right. Just and listening so we, is a huge, right. such a huge factor. So with this, you know, 1800 people spoke and it's pretty clear what they want. Yeah. And so we'll use that as a guide, you know, 
for the next several years. When really to be able to get their input when you're in the midst of a pandemic like that, I'm sure is what spurred so many more people to participate in the survey because they had more opinions because That's things right. were fresh and they, you know, and they, I'm sure appreciated that you're reaching out and asking for their opinion, asking if they want to be involved with the process. So yeah. I think the timing, although it didn't seem great on the surface, probably couldn't have been better to get that sure. kind of feedback from your community. Yep, so, for sure. I think that transitions well into my next question for you is, All right. uh, how do you view um, the role of your chamber there in your community? Um, I think we are often the middle ground that people are looking for these days. Um, you know, Conway is a pretty purple town politically. Um, there's a section of it that's very blue and there's a section of it that's very red. And I think we tend to be this place where a lot of the different sides can come to agree on things. And so we do our best to stay there. Um, I've never seen a liberal or conservative person who didn't think that job creation was important. Right. I've never seen a liberal or conservative person who didn't think quality place and quality of life was important. So. I think chambers have the opportunity to play this part of, of helping bring both ends to the middle. Now the extremes you're never going to bring because right. they don't want, they don't want to come to the middle, but the reality is I think most of us are not the extremes. And so I think what we do is we help remind the community as a whole and You've seen this, I think, with our annual meeting. The annual meeting is really about helping people remember what we can accomplish when we work together. It's helping people understand why we're special. It's seeing their friends and neighbors on screen who look different from each other, who think different from each other, but they're still working toward this common goal of building a world-class city in the middle of Arkansas. Um, and so I think that that's the role we play is is just this middle ground. Um, let's roll our sleeves up and get the work done uh, and, and stay out of the, you know, crappy stuff that seems to dominate the headlines. I like that. And, you know, you mentioned where the, the ultra conservative or liberal, like they both can agree that job creations are important. And, and it's not that chambers are looking for topics to grasp onto that are not controversial, but it's topics that matter and that can move the needle in a community. And both sides can see where, you know, something like job creation in that example can move the needle. So, and I think if you do those things well, if you have a history of doing those things well, there are things that you can get into so for instance and i don't think this should be controversial but i think it is you know the the dbei diversity belonging equity and inclusion i mean you heard us present on that um, yeah and, and that would that would be controversial for some people but we felt very strongly that we need to plant a flag there um and and we, we have, and, and we did, and have, did we take on a little bit of water 
with some people in the community? Yeah, probably. But for the majority, I don't think so. I, I think that they want us to speak on things like that. Um, yeah. Because if it's important to the business community, then it's important to us. Um, Absolutely. So, Brad, I wanted to ask you if there, if you might have a tip or an action item for listeners to uh, help take their organizations up to the next level. Um, well, I think being ambitious is the biggest one. I mean, expecting more. I think that that probably guides us more than anything is that we expect more from ourselves and we always think that we can get better and we compare ourselves to the best, um, which is part of the reason you do things like chamber of the year. Um, you, you need to compare yourself to the best people out there. Um, and you'll always learn something from that, you know, um, even just and, the benchmarking survey itself, that whole process. Right. Yeah. Right. And we do that as a community, really. Like we, we compare ourselves to other cities that um, we think we can learn something from. And we do that in a really formal way. Um, so I just think being ambitious is, is, is big. Um, I think it's so easy to just get caught up in the day-to-day activities of, of what you do. And um, you just lose sight of, of trying to have some vision and and be the force that helps push your community in that direction. I like that answer. So <laughs> I'd, I'd like for uh, so many of your responses just flow right into the next question. So good. <laughs> I, I'd like asking, uh, you know, how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward? I think they're incredibly important. And I think as important as they've ever been, simply because of what I said before on this, this middle ground that chambers should be able to be for people. Um, because of the, the interesting uh, nature of our work, I mean, we represent the business community. Well, what the business community has to say should be very important <laughs> to whatever community sure. they're in, because if the business community disappears or goes somewhere else, then you don't have a community anymore. And and so I don't think that you have to be apologetic for having an opinion if your membership is backing you up on it. I mean, that's what you're there for. Um, however, I, I do think that the majority of things that we work on should be something that the majority of the people in your community can gravitate toward. Um, you know, I've often said, in the 23 years that I've worked here, I have boards that have some of the most liberal and some of the most conservative people in the community on them. I have never in 23 years heard them argue or fight about national hot button political issues. I've never heard them talk about Barack Obama or Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I've never heard them talk about abortion or any yeah, other, yeah. <laughs> all of the issues. Yeah. Like I've never heard that. And the reality is we don't do That's not what grows the city of Conway. And so working for a common goal. Yeah. That's right. I mean, the stuff that we work on is something that almost always 
both sides can agree on. And and when you when you win together, it makes those harder times a little bit easier because you end up knowing this person. And when you know somebody, even if they think differently than you, you can't vilify them because you know them. You 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 know, you've had lunch with them, you know, their families, you just, you just think about the world a little bit differently. Um, and so I really think chambers have this ability to can, again, it's what we're best at convening people. Like right. we convene people better. If we're doing our job, we convene people better than any other group or organization in our community. And there is a power in that, um, there's a responsibility in that. And um, so I think the future is bright for Chambers. Absolutely. So, Brad, this has been great having you back on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I wanted to give you an opportunity to put any contact information out there. So if anyone wanted to reach out and connect and learn more about how you're doing things there in Conway, how should they, uh, how should they reach out and connect with you? Sure. I mean, email is probably the easiest. And then if we want to move into a phone conversation or bring some other staff members in, we'd be happy to. And that's just brad at conwayarkansas.org. And Arkansas is spelled out completely. That's perfect. And I'll get it in the show notes for this episode okay. as well. So people can go there and find it and shoot you an email and learn more about toad suck days, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad, I really do appreciate you coming on here with me. And uh, I wish you and the Conway Area Chamber best of luck as Chamber of the Year. Thank you. We appreciate it. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today. For a limited time as a launch promotion, this course is being offered at a 25% discount. Be sure to purchase a course today to lock in your savings before the price goes up, even if you're not ready to start right away. Again, that's chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot.